that's what happened in my life this week. Uh, it's a cool thing for us. Construction has started. We got our permits after a year of waiting. Uh, none of that matters right now. Like, uh, now we're headed toward move-in. And if you're asking, when are we going to move in? Like, I don't know. I've been wrong on everything. So I'm going to go back to the same prediction I made a while ago that's still correct. Next Thanksgiving. Okay, we're just hoping I'm off by a number of months. Like, I don't know, nine of them would be awesome. Uh, but but that, that's where we are now. As you're driving around, uh, if you live east of here, so you're probably going to drive past the property today on your way home, I'd love it if you just pulled in, uh, prayed for our work that's going on there. We want it to be efficient. We want it to be safe, because that would suck for us to get a building and somebody to lose a finger. Like, that's bad. Uh, but uh, we want the workers there to be safe, and we also want it to be well-funded. Uh, God is a rich God. He owns a thousand, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and the hills also, that's the way I like to look at it. Uh, it'd be great if this thing happens quickly, safely, uh, and in a way that's going to set us up financially for good ministry in the future. Uh, that's a great thing. I'm excited. Uh, last night, there were a bunch of us at the Fresno State football game, which was much more exciting than the way that the game turned out. Uh, but as we, uh, as we were leaving after our loss, uh, I was with Steve Lane in his big truck, and we're driving out, and uh, we, there's a point where they've got they did a really good job of getting everybody out of the stadium quickly. Like, there was no nonsense sitting there for 90 minutes trying to get onto Barstow. Uh, and so they've got the guys with the flashers and stuff like that sending people uh, through stop signs without stopping and doing all that stuff. Uh, but at one point, you have to, like, stop one lane of traffic to let the other one go so that you don't have mass carnage and people getting run over. And I'm watching this happen, and there's an, they're not old. They're just past the point in life where they're expected to go fast. Okay, you're with me? Uh, there's a couple, husband and wife, uh, maybe they're not anymore, but they're crossing from left to right, across, like in front of us in the truck, uh, and as they get closer, they see the flag guy like start to, to wave him off, no more, and the man decides, that's not happening to me, I'm not stopping. So he's got his bride with him, and then that changes, because he decides, I'm going to get across. And so like, he starts shuffling as fast as he can to get across before the cars can come, and his bride, being smart, says, like, that's a really big truck, I'm a really small woman, I'm just going to stop. Like, I'm, I'm not moving anymore. I'm standing next to the guy in the yellow windbreaker with the really short lightsaber, and I'm not going. And what I noticed was the guy who runs, like, he never looks back. There's never a moment of seeing, is she still with me? And my guess is, by the time he got, like, halfway across the street, realizes there are no footprints to us beside him, guys, we've all been in this moment, okay, where it is too late to put the toothpaste back in the tube. You have already said it. You have already suggested it. You have already started running across the street, and you realize she is not happy. He keeps running. Like, he never even turns around. He knows the punishment that he's about to walk into. So we pass him a little while longer, farther down on Barstow, and he's still just going. And his former wife is nowhere near, because my guess is she called an Uber, and she's going to beat him home, and then she'll beat him home. Um, and... Like, it, one of those things where it's like you're, you're in too much of a rush. You can't stop now. I know that she's back there with the young man with the yellow windbreaker and the, the lightsaber dagger, uh, but I can't stop, can't stop going now. There's no way I can stop and turn around. The man was on a mission, and wherever he was going, he probably didn't get there quickly, but, uh, but that was his problem, and, and I drove by in the truck. And what we're going to look at today is a story where Jesus had the absolute opposite mentality. 
Okay, we're at the end of the Gospel of Luke, which is an eyewitness account of, of things that Jesus did and ways that, that he shaped eternity and shaped our world by things that were just normal for him because he is God with skin on. And so his ability to change everything uh, at the snap of his fingers is totally different than ours. And so what we're going to look at is, is he's on a mission. He's headed toward the cross, which is for us who believe this as Christians, this is where Jesus takes on our sin, takes on the worst that we could bring to every single situation to make us right with God. So that when God looks at you and me, he doesn't see our past. He doesn't see the things that we would really rather never talk about with anyone. God who could see those things, God who could judge us for those things doesn't. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus is on a mission toward the cross. And there's an instance where he has to stop. He's like the guy shuffling across the street, you know. But instead of just ditching the person who needs him, i.e. his wife, uh, Jesus stops. We're going to be in Luke 18, uh, verse 35. And we're going to see an instance where Jesus stops. He's walking through and that means something significant. Because Jesus is a God who brings healing. He does that in this passage. He does that today. And that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time with. So Luke 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked, what's happening? And they told him, Jesus, the Nazarene, was going by. And the man instantly, like, he gets this idea. Jesus is walking by. He's heard of Jesus. He's heard of the amazing things that Jesus can do. As a blind man, he sees very clearly something that we have a problem with sometimes, and that's the idea that all of us need healing in our lives. All of us have a need somewhere within us that we want to see Jesus meet, somewhere within us where we want to see Jesus move. I think if we look at all the different areas of our lives, our relational life, emotional, financial, physical, intellectual, sexual, every area of our life is broken because of sin. For us who are Christians, we look at physical brokenness, we look at emotional brokenness, we look at relational brokenness, and to us, this makes complete sense. Because the very beginning of human history, the very beginning of the Bible, God's story about how everything went wrong, how everything was made right, and how one day everything will be totally made right again in every way, we see the beginning of the bottom dropping out of life. There's a man and a woman who have complete autonomy to make whatever decision that they want, just like we do, because God loves choice and gives us the ability to choose. They make a decision to run away from God. They make a decision to do things their way, which is the same decision that we would have made. And what that did it is it brought in darkness. It brought in brokenness in every single way. And so there's moral failure that happens. There's physical failure that happens. There's emotional and relational and intellectual brokenness that occurs. There's sexual brokenness that occurs. They don't have money, so they're saved from financial brokenness. But I think in this room we make up enough of that, of the financial brokenness, so we'll give them a pass. So what God does is he gives us an opening, gives us a window into seeing and understanding and identifying and putting on ourselves what it looks like to be broken, what it looks like to be in need. The guy in the story, he's blind. Like he's got no way to make money. He's got no way to protect himself. He's totally at everybody's mercy. And I think if we're honest for a second, like we step into that too. God's story, God's picture, a life of following God gives space for physical brokenness, gives space for all of these different types of brokenness. And what it also does is it gives us the remedy 
for every type of brokenness in every area of our life where we would need healing. There's a great verse at the very end of the Bible where uh, one of Jesus' followers is talking about this picture that he has of, of what heaven is going to look like and what the new earth is going to look like, as they call it. And the way that he puts it is he says that everything is made new. Everything is made new. Our bank account goes back to normal. Our physical body goes back to the way that it was created. Our relationships with people go back to a point where there was no baggage, no damage. No, you really shouldn't have said that. Everything is made new. And Jesus steps into this. You know, this is where, this is where it gets intimate between Jesus and the guy. It's a conversation that Jesus is going to have with this blind man. I think that's such good news for us today. Because as we sit here, we may be blind, we may not be, but what we are, where we're consistent in this story with somebody that we've never met from thousands of miles away, thousands of years ago, is we sit here with the heart, with skin, with the life, with the history, with difficulties, with things that we're good at representing sons and daughters that Jesus loves today. And just as Jesus loves this guy who's sitting there on the side of the road, hears people passing, wants to know what's going on, Jesus has plans that he wants to enact, plans that he wants to activate in our life today. We do this every time that we, we do a healing service, and we're, that's how we're going to end today. That's why we moved the message up to the front. It's not just because I'm antsy to speak, which is normal, uh, but because we're going to end with longer time of worship on the back end, and, and we're going to have our prayer ushers up with the opportunity, with the invitation to respond for prayer. If you need healing in your, air, in your life in any area, we want to pray for you. And so what they're faithful to do every time we do this is to say, okay, God, who's going to be here this morning? Who needs healing in their lives? Who's here uh, that, you want to, that you want to reveal yourself as, as their healer and their God this morning? So we got... Uh, we got some words from God. One of them is that there's people here who are having relational difficulties, whether that's marital difficulties or a relationship between children and parents. There's relationships that need healing today. There's somebody with a father wound that needs healing today. There's somebody with a communication block that, that needs healing today. There's somebody with eye issues, issues with their eyes that, that need healing. Uh, there's a scar tissue issue that needs to be healed Somebody who's got a cane and they're limping, Jesus wants to heal them today. Somebody who's struggling with dyslexia, Jesus wants to heal that today. Uh, there's a mother-child relationship that's now just to the point where it's despondent, and Jesus wants to heal that today. There's somebody here where everything looks good on the outside, but on the inside there's a bunch of emotional pain, and Jesus wants to heal that today. There's a man struggling with bitterness from a racial issue and Jesus wants to bring healing to them today. Uh, there's somebody who sees themselves as walking away from, from a fake relationship with God, and Jesus wants to bring healing to them today. There's someone who's struggling with hallucinations, and Jesus wants to bring healing to that today. And there's someone with a finger issue on their right hand that Jesus wants to bring healing, and there's someone with a nerve issue in their neck that Jesus wants to bring healing to today. And the way that Jesus responds to the guy that we're going to look at today is the same way that Jesus is going to respond to us. He's a good God in a great mood who wants to reveal his power and wants to show his power. And that starts with faith. That starts with faith. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for is going to happen. 
Right, for the last year, though, a bunch of us have had hopes that we're going to use the building at 6175 East Kings, just on the other side of GB3, uh, that we're going to use that for more than just practice mowing lawns or more than opportunities to say, okay, we're doing a summer spectacular out here. It's a million degrees. How are we going to provide shade for all of our little kids? Oh, I don't know. Let's hang four tarps from the trees, and it looks like Botswana, uh, but we're really excited to do it. Like, we've had faith that one day we're going to move in, and we're closer to that day than we were last week, and that's a really, really good thing. And that faith is faith in God's power to heal. This starts with faith in God's power to heal. Like, no one who was there that morning as Jesus is walking through Jericho had faith in faith, okay? You go through a difficulty, and somebody's probably told you, man, you just got to have faith, In what? Like, what's that mean? For them, everyone in this situation, they had faith, not just in faith, but faith in a person. For us who call on Jesus as our Savior and believe that Jesus has actually saved us from ourselves, saved us from sin, saved us from eternal separation from God, we have faith in a person. We have faith in a person who gave his life for our sin. We inherit his perfection. He, did, he took on our brokenness, which he absolutely didn't deserve. We have faith in God's power to heal, that one day everything will be made right again. If it's here on earth, awesome. We pray for that. We ask for that. We expect that because Jesus tells us to do that. And if it doesn't happen here on earth, we trust that we're one day we're going to see it happen in heaven where we die in this earth and we wake up in perfection and all of a sudden everything is made right. Everything that's broken and hurting and bad in this life, in this world is gone and we see Jesus face to face. We have faith in a person who will do that. And so did the guy. He hears that Jesus is walking by. He sees the ability, he can't see anything, and realizes, I've got a need, just like all of us. Verse 38, and so he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front of him yelled at him. It's just ironic that they try to quiet the blind man who wants to see Jesus, telling him to be quiet by yelling at him. Like those two things don't measure up very well, in my opinion, but I'm not there. So it's really easy to judge. Be quiet, they yelled at him, but he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, this is where we check out. All right, for some of you who are sitting here, I'm just going to say what's going through your head. There's some blind guy who's supposed to be the hero of the story. Everyone's telling him, shh, shh, be quiet. You like your life, everything calm and neat. I love to know stuff that's happening in advance, the way it's going to happen. Surprises are sometimes bad. Uh, and there's this guy, God with skin on is walking by. And the blind guy, this outcast, the person that you just don't want there, starts screaming. Like, this isn't the way that the party is supposed to go. This isn't the way that our town is supposed to look good before Jesus with Billy the blind guy screaming. And you look at your life and you're like, really, that's how I am supposed to get right with God? Is by screaming? Like, I'm out, I'm out. The ability that God could actually move into science and move into my world and move into what's going on with me today, that there's a God of the universe who knows everything that I do today, now? No, I'm out, I'm out. And if that's you, I can't argue you in. I can ask Jesus to move in your heart. Because when that happens, there's no more excuses. There's no more walls that we can build up. We're just inviting Jesus in to tear down everything and make it all right. And so we have faith in God's power to heal. Secondly, we have faith that we're not interrupting God. 
You know, Jesus is walking by. It's a big day for the city. And the guy shows up and he starts screaming. This doesn't make sense because Jesus is the most powerful person on the planet at that point. And in our life, the more powerful you are, the, diff- the more difficult it is to get a hold of somebody. Right? You want to call the president right now? You just don't go in your contacts or ask Siri, what's the number for Donald Trump? And they call and you like hit send and just wait to talk to him, talk about how huge your yard is. Uh, but like that, that's just not going to happen. The more important somebody is, the, diff- the more difficult it is to get uh, in touch with them. And it's not just with people. It's also with animals, right? A decade ago, Anna and I were in Kenya, Africa. Uh, At the end of doing a bunch of ministry and stuff there, we got to go on a safari, and you got to see a bunch of animals. Uh, And one of the things that they had on the safari was a rhino. And we got really close to the rhino. Uh, Guarding the rhino was uh, some Maasai warriors, and they had their Maasai stuff on, which doesn't look like pants and uh, a button-down shirt. But with them, they had AK-47s because rhinos get poached. And so if you get too close to the rhino, it's going to be really bad. So it's these people there dressed as traditional Kenyans. And you got, if you ever got too close to the rhino, because everybody wants a picture like that. Like that's not photoshopped at all. Uh, we got that close. You get closer and they would just look at you and they would say, hello. Like that's their only word, hello. As in, excuse me, may I help you? Do you see how big the rhino is? Do you see how small you are? Get away. Like, back up from the rhino. That is as close as we could get without getting the guy with the AK-47 looking at us and saying, hello. So the point is you can't interrupt the rhino. Don't bother the rhino. And so that's what's supposed to happen. Like, Jesus walks by. The guy starts screaming, and everybody's looking at him and saying, hello. I don't have an AK-47, but the point is the same. Like, get out of here. Shh. Don't do that anymore. Stop yelling. But we can't interrupt God. This makes sense. The, the good news about Jesus makes sense because everyone has a need and everyone's included in the story. All of us are included in the story. All of us can jump into the story. We're at the place of the guy, whether or not we're screaming out for Jesus to do something, whether that's happening or not, we're still in here. And all of us, I don't understand, I don't don't know what your picture is with God this morning, but I can tell you this, whenever you ask Jesus to do anything, it is impossible for you to interrupt God. He's ready, he's waiting, he's in a good mood, and he wants to hear from you today. Third thing we have faith in is faith that we can't bother God. Okay, interrupting God, bothering God, what's the difference of those? We interrupt. We make the decision, am I gonna, I'm going to talk to God. I don't know if I'm interrupting or not. I took a number, uh, but it's really, really high. I don't know what's going on. Interrupting is on us. Bothering is on him. Bothering would be God's response. Let's see if that happens. Verse 40. When Jesus heard the man who was yelling, he stopped and he ordered the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? That's the question that that we're landing on this morning is, is what do you want Jesus to do for you? Whether you're a captive, whether you're a prisoner in your brokenness, the question is the same, what do you want me to do for you? Captives and prisoners, those are two different things I want us to keep in our heads this morning. Captive, that means you had no choice in what happened to you. That means that the brokenness that you're carrying, the things that you brought in here with that we're praying, that we're believing are going to stay here and you're going to walk out free, that means that they had nothing to do with you. You get held captive in life, that's not up to you. Nobody takes, a, nobody takes sign-ups for being held captive. Like it just kind of happens. And we're left to carry it. 
The other side, prisoners. Prisoners are, are prisoners because of something they've done. Prisoners are prisoners because of, of part of life that they've happened to, decisions that they've made. Like for all of us, you know, we, one of the ways that Jesus brings freedom in our lives is not just freedom from the areas that we've been held captive, but the areas that we have imprisoned ourselves. The ways that we've brought relational, financial, emotional, uh, physical, intellectual, sexual brokenness into our own lives, we imprison ourselves. And you know what God does? God looks at us as his sons and daughters and says they might have done it to themselves, it might have been done to them, but I want to bring freedom nonetheless. I want to bring healing to this nonetheless. You got a picture to, to pound that through. Uh, this is my son, Micah. Uh, he uh, was playing on Monday, on Tuesday, and uh, tried to jump over something and fell and scraped his face all up. One of the Band-Aids is covering it. Uh, they've gotten darker since then, so it's his white skin with dark scabs. Uh, looks no bueno. Uh, but you know what? He was a captive in this situation. He's a captive because white men can't jump, all right? He tried to jump over something, didn't go so well. Instead of landing on his feet like a baller, he landed on his face because he's my son. Uh, and that's how we do it. And so he's got blood, and he cried a lot because he's a captive. He's a captive of the fact that he's not jumping, all right? These legs, they run fast. They don't jump high. He's my son. He's held captive to that. He's also a prisoner because the toy he was trying to jump over isn't meant to be jumped over. It's meant to be sat on. There's nothing that says jump over this. Like the whole thing is one big chair with handlebars encouraging you to sit still, not to jump over it. So he jumps over it. He doesn't make it. His feet stay high. His face goes low very fast. And then because he's running, like his face gets dragged on the ground because he made the decision, I'm going to jump. And you know what, as his dad, and now as men and women in his church who feel bad for him, uh, you're not saying, well, why did you jump? Like, how are you held captive to the fact that, like, your genes don't jump? Like, what's going on, kid? Fix yourself. No, nah, there, there's love from compassionate people who want to help him feel better, who want to hold him when he cries. You know, that's the way that Jesus looks at us. Jesus looks at us as, man, whether we're captives, whether we're prisoners, we've all got brokenness, and he wants to bring freedom for that. He wants to bring healing into that. So he looks at the blind man who's blind and, and sees an immediate need. In that culture, if you had something wrong with you physically, it was assumed that that is the result of something spiritual. And so even by Jesus talking to the guy, even Jesus asking the guy, what do you want me to do for you? Everybody's looking at the situation saying, Jesus is talking to a sinner. He is cursed. And for all of us today, we sit under that too. We're joining in that also. Before there was anything that we had ever done, good or bad, God loved each and every one of us with a perfect, unfailing, never giving up, never stopping, always chasing after us love. And within that love is an eye-open understanding, is an accurate love, knowing that we will run away from that love every chance we get to do things our way. And as Christians, we look at that and we call it sin. And Jesus came into the world to forgive us of our sin and to make us right before God. And that happened through Jesus. That happened through Jesus giving his life to pay for our sin so we could stand before God as men and women, boys and girls, who have been freed from the consequences of what we had done. We'd experienced healing. We have experienced spiritual healing when we become Christians, when our sins are forgiven, where our old life is taken off of us. 
and we experience freedom as we bring our needs to Jesus and say, okay, God, this is where I need physical freedom today. So that's faith. And faith isn't alone in us finding healing. Faith also comes through participation. It's faith plus participation. This is where we move from lecture to lab. This is where we jump in the story. Because participation, we want it to be participation that activates faith. It's participation that activates faith. Faith is activated in this sense in the asking. So Jesus asks the guy, what do you want me to do for you? And his faith is activated by him asking. Today it's going to be, your faith is going to be activated when you get up out of your seat and come forward and ask one of the prayer ushers to pray for you. We don't have any special potions. We're not going to say any special words or whatever. We're going to ask God of the universe to come in and work in your faith and your participation. And our faith is activated in our asking. For this guy, his faith started before Jesus walked up to him, his participation started before Jesus walked up to him. His participation is seen and heard in the fact that he's yelling, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm begging you, do something. He's participating. And it's also participation that puts us under the open heaven. That means that we're living our lives, we're bringing our needs to Jesus, who can do more than we could ever ask or imagine. We're inviting Jesus in to heal more than we could ever heal or make up for or accommodate or try to just make it through the day with. It's the open heaven where God can pour out powerfully, ridiculously, liberally over our lives more than we could ever do. It's God, our healer, inviting us, bring me your big requests, bring me your needs, bring me your fear, bring me the areas of your life where you need me to do something because you can do nothing. It's exactly where God wants us. It's participation that puts us under the open heaven with our big requests. So it's faith plus participation, that equals miracles. What do you want me to do for you? The man, Jesus asks the man. Lord, he says, I want to see. He doesn't say, can you help me get some more money? He doesn't say, it's cold, can you get me a jacket? He doesn't say, I want a place to see tonight or stay tonight. He says, I want to see. I want you to give me back the ability to see. I want you to fix my eyes in a way that no doctor in that day ever could. I want to see. He's going for the fences here. He's not just kind of bunting and slowly getting through life. He's making a huge request of the one person that we could never make a request for that's too big. He says, I want to see. And Jesus says, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. And this is, this is the point of the story where we choose to activate faith, where we choose to participate, where we choose to jump in, where we choose to say, okay, God, you're big. I've got needs just like the man in the story. We've all got needs. I'm going in faith to you, knowing that one, you can heal, and two, that you're not upset to hear from me today. I'm participating. I'm going forward to ask. We're commanded to do that over and over again in the book that God wrote. He said, ask, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. And he did that knowing that we're men and women with broken bodies, with broken lives. And we activate faith by responding. We activate faith by participating. We activate faith by asking Jesus to move where we can't move. 
And we're not doing this to force God's hand. It's not like this is an equation that if we follow these steps, we're going to get healing. This is where we say, okay, God, this is where I'm going to trust your heart. This is where I'm going to trust you as healer. This is where I'm going to trust you as my provider. This is where I'm going to trust you as the one who came to fix every brokenness the world has ever known. And he would love to do that in us today. We're his sons. We're his daughters. He's walking through here today, and he wants to move. Let's stand and pray.